Welcome to Anyway, I'll Drink to That, a Booze and Sam's production where we serve up tales in a tall glass, shaken, stirred, and delicious. Every drink has a story to tell, and I'm going to tell it. We like to have fun here. I drink, I tell a tale, and I hope that most of it is true. I'm your host, Sam, also known as Booze and Samta, preferring to go simply by Sam from Booze and Sam's. So saddle up with a good cocktail and give me a few minutes of your time for a mystery and a drink that changed the world. Before we get started, I'm your host, Sam, from Boots and Sam's. I spent decades selflessly researching some of the best drinks from all over the world, and I brought a few of my favorites back to America just for you. Take American Gluvine, for example. You may be wondering, what's Gluvine? And how can such a foreign-sounding word be American? Well, Glühwein's actually a German drink. But here's the thing. If you want to have it done right, it's got to be American. Glühwein comes from Germany. It's a Christmas thing. A mulling spice mix added to hot wine. But you know, here in America, we do it better. We add it to wine, yes. But also to whiskey or rum for hot toddies. Or a dozen other cocktails to create an infused orange, cinnamon, and spice delight. We even have it when surfing in California. Because that's how we roll, baby. And that's also why I like my Bavarian stuff made in America. It's just done right that way. You know, I don't run ads on this show. I do this because I enjoy history, alcohol, and spinning a good yarn now and again. And hope that you enjoy the stories I tell, too. All I ask in return is that if you like the tale I told, you share it. It's that simple. If you laughed, learned something, whatever, share the show. It's the best way that we can reach more people and continue to create content that you enjoy. Your support would mean the world to me. Thanks in advance. Now, on to your show. The guests would arrive soon, and there was no time to waste. They had come a long way. To counter the stifling heat and humidity, Jennings needed something refreshing. Then it struck him as he took a moment to ponder how to delight his guests. Normally, he'd offer gin, but he was out of that. He needed something different, something unique, that they had never had before. He ran his hands through his hair, or rather, he started in the middle of his head, and following the deep part of his hairline, spread his hands down to either ear and flattened his dark hair. Jennings still remembered the first time he'd made the drink, and he grinned to himself as he walked. He was average height and skinny, looking quite dapper in a seersucker suit. Born in the East, son to a multi-generational legacy of politicians and financiers, Jennings was educated at a prominent school and employed by a steel company before making his way overseas and spending the rest of his life working for a multinational iron company. He thought back to before his arrival here when Theodore took a famous group of soldiers up a hill and made way for American business to travel over in droves and capitalize on an untapped mine of business opportunities. Capitalism, baby. World democracy. Oh, yeah. The hill Theodore took his troops up was just that. A hill. But the hill sat on top of a ridgeline. And on top of the ridgeline, there were blockhouses and cannons. To get to the ridgeline also meant going through trenches and barbed wire. On the day when that famous American force took the hill, almost 20% of the troops were killed or injured, despite outnumbering the enemy 16 to 1. 
that fought the uphill battle against cannon fire and bullets, whizzing by their heads until they finally took the top and secured victory. These volunteer cavalrymen came from throughout the southwest of the U.S. and ended up here as infantrymen. Shortly after their decisive victory, the war ended and the businessmen appeared. Their path now cleared by blood, they devoured the country like junkies looking for a fix. Oh, apologies. I meant, they entered the country like good stewards, spreading democracy. And in their spread of democracy, they found a people and a land ripe for the ticking. This is what brought Jennings to the Sierra Maestra Mountains on the southeast shore of a small town that bears the name of this drink. They lived lives of luxury, too. Jennings was testament to that. A substantial salary, tobacco rations, the landscape, gorgeous, the culture, beautiful. It's no wonder that famous authors, including one manly hunter, lived here as an old man by the sea, and, with a voracious appetite, stuck to a firm daily diet of an altered version of this drink made just for him in a bar that today bears a statue of him in commemoration. All of this didn't matter right now, though, for Jennings. As he walked to the tienda, smothered by the tropical humidity, he had a plan. The drink he had in mind hadn't disappointed in the past. Not the first time when, after him and another visiting engineer had finished inspecting the copper mines he was in charge of and needed a sweet reward. They'd taken what they had on hand, a clear liquor, and combined it with some other local ingredients. It was a hit then, and a hit after, at the Venus Bar, where, on most mornings, him and his engineer pals would imbibe in this tart treat before heading over to the mines. Now this was the life. A few strong drinks to start the day, a pouch of tobacco in your pocket, and a good buzz before heading to the mines and putting in an honest day's work, doing work that could protect hard-working miners who carve copper out of the ground under dangerous conditions. This carefree attitude of Americans at the time was summarized perfectly by another figure who rose to fame a few decades later, F. Scott Fitzgerald. In his first book, where he penned this drink in print for the first time ever, spoke of love warped by greed, hedonism, and status-seeking. Even though the book is now 100 years old, the theme rings true today, maybe more than ever. One has to wonder, but not to judge. That's not why I'm here. That's not what we're doing. We're just having a drink, telling a story about a man, Jennings, who, in desperation, with limited ingredients, created a new cocktail. He didn't know it at the time, but when he left the tienda and walked home through the sticky heat carrying a bottle of this local liquor and two other favorite ingredients, that he would be solidifying a drink that, a decade later, would end up being a favorite among the Navy. For practical reasons, of course. The military is always practical. So, what better way to have your drink and your health than by sipping on something served ice cold with citrus that could ward off the dreadful scurvy, which was a real fear for the Navy at sea. But, before the drink gained national recognition, it started humble, with a company well-known in its home country, but not too well-known elsewhere. Jennings Cox stayed in Cuba until 1913, drinking this drink until his failing health forced him to return to the U.S. By this time, the drink he created and first named the Rum Sour was international. The name softened too, and the drink took on many variations, like the version Hemingway had daily when in Cuba or any of the other tropical versions around today. 
The drink grew in complexity to meet the insatiable and evolving needs of youthful patrons who threw down bills like pocket change and slurped back crushed ice versions in red, blue, and orange. The drink grew in complexity to meet the insatiable and evolving needs of youthful patrons who threw down bills like pocket change and slurped back crushed ice versions in red, white, and orange. Maybe they sought to be transported back to the beginning and leave the cold, impersonal concrete cities behind for the warm beaches and sunshine of Cuba, lamenting they were born in a different time, a time with less culture attached to the drinks slung in bars that all looked the same and only varied in their zip codes. The clear rum with a burning, pungent flavor, cut by an added sweetness. It could make patrons wish they were in that small town in Cuba that became the drink's namesake. So could the original version. Clear Bacardi rum, sugar, limes. Created somewhere on the spectrum of reckless joy and sheer luck, the Daiquiri, named after the beach town of Daiquiri, which was near Santiago de Cuba, where Jennings Cox worked as head engineer of the copper mines there, which were operated once more after Teddy Roosevelt led his famous Rough Riders, who ironically did not ride on horses since they could not be easily shipped overseas from America but instead ran on foot through trenches, cannonballs, and bullet fire to take the ridge of San Juan Hill, secure the posts there, and ultimately the victory in the Cuban War for Independence, which the U.S. intervened in, out of the goodness of their house, no doubt. Anyway, I'll drink to that. Maybe they sought to be transported back to the beginning and leave the cold and personal concrete cities behind for the warm beaches and sunshine of Cuba, lamenting they were born in a different time a time with less culture attached to the drinks slung in bars that all looked the same and only varied in their zip codes. The clear rum, with a burning, pungent flavor, cut by an added sweetness. It could make patrons wish they were in that small beach town in Cuba that became the drink's namesake. So could the original version, a simpler version, made with only three ingredients, clear Bacardi rum, sugar, and lime. Created somewhere on the spectrum of reckless joy and sheer luck, the Daiquiri, named after the beach town of Daiquiri, which was near Santiago de Cuba, where Jennings Cox worked as head engineer of the copper mines, which were operated once more after Teddy Roosevelt led his famous Rough Riders, who ironically did not ride on horses since they could not be easily shipped overseas from America, but instead ran on foot through trenches, cannonballs, and bullet fire to take the ridge of San Juan Hill, secure the post there, and ultimately, the victory in the Cuban War for Independence, which the U.S. had intervened in, out of the goodness of their hearts, no doubt. Anyway, I'll drink to that. This has been a Booze and Sam's production. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If so, please share it. Also, connect with us online at boozeandsams.com. That's B-O-O-Z-N-S-A-M-S, boozeandsams.com. And subscribe now to the podcast to be updated when new episodes are released. As a final aside, it should be noted that the internet is a place of conflicting stories and facts. I try hard to tell as accurate a tale as possible, but you may have heard or read something about a person, event, or thing different than the way I tell it. That doesn't make me wrong. After all, I'm just sipping a cocktail, telling you a story, just chatting like we're old friends at a bar looking to pass time and learn something new. 
let's just cheers to that and enjoy a drink together.